0: welcome back everybody today i'm with my buddy and ultra runner hayden hawks hayden's a good friend of
1: mine uh, we met in utah years ago and um now he's in new zealand so hayden what's up uh not much bro sweet ass bro Just happy to be on the podcast sweet ass <laughs> sweet ass man
0: no, Mate. No.
1: <laughs> uh, hey yeah, uh, whatever
0: how's it going uh,
1: how's new zealand treating you this winter uh it's been great dude uh yeah we decided to come down here um Get out of the winter, you know, and uh, it's been a pretty rough winter back there in the States, I've heard. And so, uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty happy to be down here where it's summertime. You know, it's nice and warm. Well, for the most part, it's been raining a lot here in Rotorua as I prepare for Tarawera, But, yeah, the training's been great. We spent a month in Australia. Spent a couple months here in New Zealand. Got a sweet mullet. Um, went over to the barbershop and uh, got the kiwi cut. So I needed to look like a proper, uh, Kiwi out here. So, uh, got the mullet and the mustache going for, uh, for Tarawara and, uh, things are going good. Yeah. Feeling strong, feeling ready to go for the race.
0: Cool, man. If you don't win Tarawara with that hairdo, then it's not worth it.
1: Yeah. They told me that, uh, I had to look like a, a dirty Kiwi. No, <laughs> <laughs> they said it would make me run faster. So, uh, yeah, I got the mullet for now. I uh, might have to. Before I get back to the States, I don't know if it's very acceptable back in the U.S., but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's been a lot of fun here, man. I've been able to train with some guys down here, and, and we've had a really good time. It's such a sweet country. You know, there's amazing mountains, amazing trails, and uh, we couldn't ask for a, a better winter down here. Nice, nice. Because uh, North
0: Island's really cool because it's so different than the Southern Island, where the Southern Island's so, like, rocky and, like, mountainy. And I feel like the Northern Island is kind of, it kind of feels like Northern California to me in a sense. At least when I was there, it was super dry and just kind of windy, hilly everywhere.
1: Yeah, it's not dry this year, though. Dude. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> it's been crazy. Like uh, So we spent a month on the South Island, and we kind of went down into Wanaka and Queenstown and spent some time in Christchurch. We were based out of Christchurch, and we really got to see a lot of the South Island and, and really explore some really beautiful, really cool areas down there and I was training with uh, a good friend of mine, Scotty Hawker, and also Dan Jones, who are really strong Kiwi runners down here. Um, and then we came up here to the North Island, up to Rotorua, where the Tarawara race uh, takes place. And yeah, it's been raining nonstop since we've been here, <laughs> to be honest with you. Like, uh, it's really unusual, though, apparently, this time of year, um, you know, being summer and all. But they literally got, over 100% of their rainfall for the summer in, in less than 24 hours wow. while we were, were here. And they had a bunch of flooding in Auckland and it's been kind of a big crisis up here, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, a different feel. You know, I'm not used to the rain being a desert boy, but I'm, uh, embracing it and, uh, preparing the best I can for the race.
0: Nice. How's that affected the trails? Like when I was there, I think it was a drought season. So that might have, or just a drought time. Um, so we didn't get any rain I don't think but the trails were super dry and dusty are they all muddy now or what's going on with that
1: yeah I mean they're muddy and <laughs> constantly muddy but um I mean the area is very there's a lot of vegetation it's very green very lush you know very similar to like Portland Seattle area from from what I can tell in this area when it's wet um and uh yeah so that it, it absorbs it pretty well for the most part um but there are some some sections where like I did a a rec on the course the other day where I ran about 26 miles of the course, um, and did some, some miles at, at uh, race pace. And I was bombing down some of these downhills and I'd hit a corner really quick. And it, like my feet would almost slide out from underneath me because I mean, there's a lot of leafs and and it gets pretty slimy and, and pretty slippery in some of these corners and some of these areas. So that'll definitely be something that, you know, people have to watch for on race day. And, Make sure, you know, you throw on some good traction shoes. I, I throw on the, the Hoka Mafati, which is my go-to shoe and has amazing traction on the bottom. And I'm good to go. You know, um, it, it's definitely taking a little time to get used to. You know, I'm not used to running in this type of environment, but it, it's been fun. And uh, honestly, it gives me a, a little bit of a taste of, of what it would be like to live in a place like Portland or Seattle. And to be honest with you, I think I'll stick to the mountains and the desert. I, uh, (laughs) I like the high desert.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't blame you. Like where you guys are kind of currently living in in Utah. It's beautiful, but maybe not so much in the winter though, for training.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been really cold back home. We've had just crazy amount of snow in in Southern Utah and, and yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's nice to be down here, but also missing home a little bit, you know, we've been gone for three months, so we love doing this. It's, It's such an amazing opportunity for our kids, for, for us um, to really embrace and see cultures and, and experience new lands and, and awesome. It it actually really energizes and, and motivates my training too, to get out in some new areas and really explore and see some new trails and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we do miss home when we're out here a a bit and, uh, it's always fun, but it's always nice to go back home too and, and see the family and and be back in, in, in our, you know, in my stomping grounds. So
0: yeah, for sure. And I guess speaking of your family and just traveling so much, like what's that like with two kids? Cause how old is your oldest kid now?
1: Uh, my son's five and then I have mm-hmm. a daughter who's a little over one years old. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I mean, we have these awesome experiences. Like, you know, we, we got to hike up as a family, like hike as a family to the tallest point in Australia, which was really, really cool. And so my son, you know, could say he's been on the tallest point in Australia now. And you know, we got to go and, and hang out on the beach and and go to all these amazing spots in Australia and New Zealand. You know, these are, these are lifelong, I guess, memories that we'll have as a family. Um, but that being said, we, we have challenges too. You know, it's not easy traveling with a one-year-old and a five-year-old, especially that 15 hour flight from the, the United States. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we look at it as it's worth it, you know, um, to to suffer a little bit maybe go through a little discomfort for a while um, to have all these amazing opportunities as a family and and honestly um, you know back home if we were back home my son probably wouldn't be able to go outside much and play (laughs) outside because it'd be freezing cold and snowing I mean let's be throwing some snow gear or something but here he's been able to play and have fun and get dirty and just really see this amazing place and And he still remembers like we've done this quite a bit. We've spent some time in Chamonix in Italy and and all around the world. And uh, he still remembers these places and the friendships that he's made there. And he always asks us, when are we going back to France or when are we going (laughs) back to here? And and we really love it. You know, it's awesome. Um, It might slow down a little bit once he starts school, Um, but it's 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 just a really cool uh thing that we're able to do as a family and i wouldn't have it any other way
0: yeah that's super cool that your kids are able to experience the world like just solely because you're able to run full-time and it's like these are experiences that most kids will never have and like visiting like how many countries has crosby visited in like in i don't know five years of his life like probably more (laughs) than a lot of people have in their entire lives which is pretty cool
1: yeah yeah and i always have made it like kind of a priority in my my career and in my life to involve my family as much as possible in what I do um, because I get these really amazing opportunities to travel the world and be a professional runner and see these amazing places but I want to experience experiences with my family you know like doing it solo is fun and all but like doing it with the ones that you love you know my wife and my kids and my parents and, and different people like that like it makes it even better because really that's what i'm in this sport for you know I'm, I'm in this because i love it because i have these big goals and these dreams that i i really want to accomplish but i'm also in it to share these experiences with the people around me with my community with my family with my friends you know because those are the moments that i always remember more than anything like the wins are great don't get me wrong but I don't remember the wins as much as I remember the moments and the the, sh- the things I shared with the ones I loved and my friends and, and so forth. And, uh, I, I think that means more to me than the wins themselves. And so, yeah, I've always tried to make it a point to bring my family when I can, of course I need to be professional and I, and I prioritize making sure I am professional and I'm doing it, you know, in the right way to make sure I'm properly prepared for the races I, I am going after. Um, but I do want to involve my family as much as possible.
0: It reminds me of a quote. I was watching a documentary a while ago now, but, um, this girl and her fiance, obviously they're engaged being her fiance, (laughs) but something happened long story short. And then, um, he's, he's gone now, but like, she was just saying like the most important, you can go to like the coolest places on the planet, but if you're not there to share that with somebody, it's kind of like, what's the point? It feels very empty in the end. And she was very blessed to see all these different places. But then she's like, well, yeah, if I don't have somebody to, that I care about to spend those experiences with, it's like, why go? It doesn't really make sense in the long run.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just an example, like, like just a recent example I think I, I could share would be like, I took second place right at Western States this year or this last year. And uh, while well, it was an awesome performance and an amazing day, and, and I'm really happy with the second place performance, like, I don't honestly, like, remember crossing the finish line or like, you know, the accolades and the, the media attention and all those different things that I got for taking second place. What I remember the most was the miles I shared with my coach and who's also one of my, my best friends out on the trail, you know, those final miles of the race. I, I remember running in to the finish line with my crew, which was, you know, consisted of a lot of my, my best friends, um, my brother you know, Steve Hooper, who's the owner of the St. George Running Center, who's just like been a, like a father figure to me over the years. Like I remember crossing that finish line with them. You know, I remember running around the track with them. I remember sharing the miles on the trail with Robbie and, and, and the aid stations where I had those people around me. And I think honestly, like that's, what's brought me back to Western States year after year, is those moments and those experiences that I've had and and the community that's around that event. And honestly, like that means more to me than that second place finish. And I, I honestly think it'll mean more to me than winning the race. You know, if I'm able to do that someday, um, even though that's a big goal and it's just, it's more of a personal goal for me. Um, it motivates me a lot because it's just deep within me. Um, but it's those moments shared with those people that, that will mean more to me than anything is is being able to uh to run around that track with those people that have have supported me and helped me all these years. Yeah, definitely.
0: And uh, kind of a hard segue, but um just thinking about racing and fueling for racing, then because obviously you um consumed a lot of calories and carbs uh <laughs> during states last year. But um a while ago, you and I were talking about. Like it doesn't really matter how many calories you're getting, but it's the amount of carbs you're getting and how you're getting those carbs during, like, while you're racing or doing a workout or something. So, like, could you kind of explain the differences between consuming calories versus carbs, like, specifically for racing or for a long run or something?
1: Yeah, this is something my focus on a lot as an athlete is. You know, I don't count my calories; I, I count my carbs, um, especially when I'm fueling for a race. You know, I'm. I'm a carb based athlete, you know, I'm, I'm running very, very fast, you know, I I definitely need to replenish my glycogen stores, you know, when I'm out there running, um, at the level and at the speeds that I'm running, you know, as, as an athlete, um, I think, you know, sometimes, you know, um, people can maybe get away with just fueling off of, of fat sources. But for me, like, I like a mix of both, you know, I, I definitely have, I lean a little bit more Towards a fat-based diet, but I also implement carbohydrates in my diet. Um, I do both. Um, and for that reason is, you know, our body has a really high amount of of fat stores. Um, you know, fat fat stores can can last for a long, long time. You know, you're not going to completely diminish your fat stores in any ultra that you run, especially like a hundred-mile race or a hundred K race. That's only You know, seven to 14 hours. The body has enough fat stores to be able to last for that that period of time. What the body doesn't have is the body doesn't have a ton of glycogen stores. You know, glycogen stores can be depleted pretty quickly, especially if you're running fast. Glycogen stores can be depleted in 90 minutes or less, you know, um, depending on how fast and how intense you're you're pushing and running. And so I always focus on, you know, that, that being said, knowing that my fat stores are sufficient and knowing that in a race, maybe like Western States, I'm going to be 50, 50 fat glycogen, you know, on my fueling, I always focus on the glycogen side of things, knowing that like the fat stores are going to be there. I'm never going to run out of those in, in, in that short of a race. Um, but if I, if I, if, if I don't replenish my glycogen stores, I'm going to, you know, run out of that quick energy, I'm not going to be able to push like I need to, I'm not going to be able to have that. And so I always focus on the carbohydrates, because the carbohydrates is what's going to replenish the car, the glycogen stores. You know, if we look at it, um, you know, one uh, gram of carbohydrates is four calories, right? One gram of fat is around eight to nine calories, you know, depending. And so if we look at it that way, like, a product could have 300 calories, but it could be all, you know, fat calories. Um, And so you're not getting any carbohydrates in in a certain product, or it could be, you know, 70% fat calories and 30% carb uh, calories. And so you're, you're, you're kind of, you know, looking at it that way. And, And even though people think like, oh, I'm getting all these calories and I should be just fine um if they're trying to get their glycogen levels up and if they're trying to focus on their carbohydrates then they're not doing that they're getting the calories but they're not getting the carbohydrates that they need um you know or you could have a product that is completely carbohydrate based um and and you know so so you look at that right and and like the the product that i use is precision hydration uh precision fuel and hydration and they focus all on carbohydrates. Um, their gels have 30 grams of carbohydrates. Their drink mix has 30 grams of carbohydrates. Their chews have 30 grams of carbohydrates. And so it's really easy math. You know, you you take one chew, you take one gel, you get 60 grams. You know, you you take all three in one hour, you get 90 grams. And so it makes it really easy to do the math while you're out there running and, and everything, but it also they're they're very carbohydrate-centric or they're focusing on those carbohydrates. So I know in a race like that, this is a carbohydrate source. I'm going to be getting 60, 90, 120, whatever carbohydrates. So I'm going to be able to take that fuel in and replenish my carbohydrate or my glycogen stores in the race. So it, it kind of depends on what you're focused on, right? If, if you're focused on getting fat in, then yeah, maybe you should focus on fat, you know, grams if you're focused on getting carbohydrates in, focus on carbohydrate grams, I think the idea of focusing on calories is not a great way to look at it because calories can come from so from, from different sources. But I think you need to focus on fat grams and carbohydrate grams instead, um, depending on what you're trying to do as an athlete and what you're trying to replenish. So that's kind of how I look at it is, I've focused more on carbohydrates over the years, and and this is something I've learned from my coach, uh, from precision, and also some some friends that are are uh, you know sports scientists that I've worked with over the years. And as I've focused on these carbohydrates, I've been able to get more carbs in during racing, and therefore prevent bonks, prevent you know lower energy. And be able to just have a, a, better races and more consistent races overall, because I'm getting the source, getting what, what I want to be getting into my body. And it
0: makes a lot of sense. And it makes me think about, I like just thinking of calories and carbs and fat. Like you could, you could, I'm not, I'm not saying anyone would do this necessarily, but you could have like a tablespoon of butter and that's going to have like 13 grams of fat and like, I think like hundred something calories in it, but that's not necessarily going to make you run faster. Where like a carbohydrate source is like jet fuel basically, and any athlete, whether you're like say you're doing keto or you're primarily like carb based or whatever, you're still going to be burning fat at some point. Like at a lower intensity, you're still burning fat, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like like we talked about. I mean, like a a, a race like Western States or a race like UTMB. I mean, you are using fat, um, but you're also using carbohydrates. You know, you you push up a hill really fast that's glycogen. I mean, you're, you're using glycogen pretty quickly in that scenario. You know, you're, you're out hiking, hiking, like on up a mountain in UTMB, you're probably using a little bit more fat, you know, in that, that um, instance, but you have to look at it both. You, You have to get both, you know, kind of sources in, but the thing is, is with fat, fat is already there. It's, it's on our organs, you know, it's, it's, it's within our body. Like, we're never going to run out of those fat sources, especially if you're, you know, consuming enough fat within your diet. You're, you're, you're gonna be able to keep those fat stores up, you know, throughout any ultra that you do. Um, but carbohydrates is the one thing that can, you know, dip or or lower um pretty quickly. You know, like you said, it's jet fuel. It's a quick burning um fuel. And so you have to replenish that quick burning fuel if you want to keep that. You know, keep that intensity up and keep going. Yeah. So, thinking of that, then, like how
0: how many carbohydrates are you burning, or can, let me re- rephrase that: how many carbohydrates are you consuming per hour, say during like Western states or UTMB?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a little. Uh, it's probably pretty much the same. Um, I like to focus on, um, I guess, kind of like a, a, a foundation or like a base of products that I'm going to be getting in, you know, on on any race, and that's going to consist of my drink mixes, um, from precision that's going to consist of my gels and that's going to consist of my chews. So those are the foundational um, products or sources of carbohydrates that I'm going to be getting in, in any race. Now, a race like UTMB, I'm going to probably implement a little bit more real food into my diet as well, because I'm out there for 20 plus hours. Um, I'm not running at such a high intensity that I would at something like Western States. Um, it's not as hot, and, and that can affect, you know, getting real food or, or liquid calories in. And so, like a race like UTMB, I might put a little bit more real solid type foods into my system, but keep that base with the drink mixes, with the with the gels and the chews in. Um, a race like Western States, on the other hand. I'm really not going to eat much real food at all, like much solids at all. The reason being is I've just seen with me personally, and some other people, um, might be able to, uh, might be a little bit different is, um, it's, it's a very fast race. You know, I'm running at a very high intensity. I mean, for a race like Western States, I mean, you're running six, seven, eight minute miles for a hundred miles you know, um, maybe some slower ones on some of the climbs, but for the most part, you're keeping a really high cadence going for, for that entire race. Um, it's hot. It's very, very hot. And I just know with me when it's very hot outside, I cannot get solid foods down, especially when I'm running. I have to resort more to a liquid, um, calorie, you know, or (laughs) liquid carbohydrate, uh, diet. And so I, I focus a lot on liquid, you know, when it's hot outside and also when it's altitude, because altitude seems to mess with the stomach a little bit. And and it seems to be hard to get solids down at altitude is from from what I've seen personally. So I focus a lot on liquid as well um, at altitudes. And so um, yeah, so Western States is is all liquid based. Um, UTMB would be a little bit of liquid and solid foods. Um, but like a race like Western States, um, for instance, I'm getting around 90 grams of carbohydrates in per hour. Um, that's kind of the, 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 I guess the number that I shoot for. Um, sometimes it might be just a little bit less. Sometimes it might be just a little bit more. Um, but yeah, right around 90 grams per hour is what I'm, I'm looking for. And as you know, back in the day, I used to not do that. I would be like, 30 to 60 grams per hour sometimes. And as I've upped it and trained my system to be able to now do 90 grams per hour or, or up, it's made a huge difference, man. Like I don't feel those bonks. I don't feel those low moments as much anymore. Um, I just feel so energized. I feel just on top of my game. I feel like I'm able to s- sustain that more that effort throughout the race and just be very, very consistent throughout the race because I'm, I'm replenishing and I'm getting a higher amount of carbohydrates in per hour.
0: No, it's interesting that you're able to train yourself to consume 90 grams an hour. Cause I think most people just like at a base level would not be able to eat that much, but I guess like you're saying you have to train for it, right? Like just as much as you train your legs or your speed workout or something, you have to train your gut to be able to process that much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You have to train and that's what the long runs are for. You know, that's what the workouts are for the long workouts that you do. That's what those are for. Is a lot of people think, ah, the long run is just to build endurance and to, to, you know, train the muscles and everything to be able to handle the distance that I'm running. Well, that is a part of it. Um, another big part of why we do long runs is to train the gut is to work on our fueling is to work on the little things that make a huge difference in racing um, to work on our gear, you know, our, our nutrition, our hydration, all those different things. And so I use utilize my long runs that way, every long run I'm fueling like I would on race day. Um, I wouldn't say I I wouldn't say every long run, every now and then I'll do a, a long run where I will take a lower amount of carbohydrates just to kind of train the, 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 uh, the fat system a little bit. Um, but for the most part, I am doing my, my race day fueling when I'm out there, because what that does is it, it's able to get, it's able to train the stomach. It's able to help me to be able to just do the same thing on race day and have no issues. Um, but also it's, it's able to, um, really help me, um, focus on getting all those, those little elements down that are going to make a difference. Helps me. It helps me recover faster, helps me have a more quality session, Um, and, and all that's gonna, to help me to, to reach a higher level, you know? And so I, I do focus a lot of my long runs on fueling and getting my nutrition down. And and I think others like as, as other people do that, as they focus on their fueling, um, in their long runs, they'll, they'll see big differences, not only on their race day fueling, but on their performances and, and the, the level of training that they're able to, uh, to reach.
0: Yeah, so then that makes me think about quality because it seems like every run you go on, you want to make sure it's quality, right? Not just do bulk just to have bulk. So it reminds me of somebody that, um, that I know that used to kind of split up her runs because she just never had time in her head. She's like, I'll do I have a 10 mile run today, but I'll do five in the morning, five in the evening. And it was pretty consistently that way. Do you find that like a big single run is more beneficial than two double runs in a day? Or is there a time and a place for both?
1: time in a place for both yeah i do both um i do think it kind of depends on your schedule though too and, and your life you know like for instance if somebody's working a 9 to 5 job um and they're only able to get a short amount of time in in the morning and a short amount of time in, in the evening then yeah you split your runs up you know because you're going to be able to get more volume in you know by splitting them up than trying to do one run that day or one single that day you know, and, and so like it kind of you got to look at your schedule. Um, you kind of got to look at like when you can fit in your runs around work and family and other things that you're, you're dealing with in life. And that can, um, you know, make help you make a decision on if you should do a double or a single. But I do think that if if you can and and you have the ability to I think getting both in is 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 important. Um, I kind of look at it this way, like single runs are are it's it's a lot of stress on the body especially like a long run say say we're, we're focusing on long runs here right and uh you know you can't go do a long run every single day because if you're doing a single long run every single day of the week that's a lot of stress on the body every single day i mean that's like like you know just putting a ton of just like um You know, you're you're lowering your glycogen stores, you're you're putting a lot of stress on the muscular system, and the body is going to just kind of freak out because it's it's a lot of stress that you're putting on every single day. That's why we we only try to focus on one, maybe two long runs a week, because you need proper recovery in between those long runs so that you can get quality long sessions in, but also not destroy yourself, get injured, you know, cause a lot of issues that way. And so what I like to focus on is I like to focus on one or two long sessions a week when I can fit them in. And then the rest of my days, I do doubles. Um, I kind of look at it like, say, you know, you had a hammer (laughs) and you get hit, you know, with a big hammer one time, or you get hit with a small hammer two times, you know, what what are you more likely to survive? You know, you're, you're probably more likely to survive the... The two hammer you know the the smaller two hammer twice than you are to survive the one big hammer one hard time um and and honestly if you look at it that way like the body is the same way like it it can't survive doing long runs every single day um but it can survive you know a couple hits every you know every every few days and then a, a big hit every other or every few days too you know and so i i think you kind of have to look at it that way is like i think putting both in is is proper training in in my um opinion and i i think it can really help to to do both
0: yeah no that totally makes sense like i guess if you are crushed for time like you have a really stressful job or something like at least getting the mileage in is better than just not getting anything right
1: yeah and doubles allow you to get more volume in you know, and and more volumes, it's only going to help, you know, to get more volume in. I mean, if you look at it, all the best endurance athletes in the world are doing volume, you know, in, in some way or another. I'm not saying they're all doing really, really like 200 mile weeks, but, you know, you look at people like Courtney DeWalter, she's, she's mentioned many times she does 120 mile weeks. You know, I, I do 120 to 150 mile weeks, you know. Jim Walmsley, Killian Jornet, you know, we're putting a lot of time in, um, to be really good. You have to put some volume in at specific periods of time. I think periodizing your training is very, very important. And that's another subject, but you have to be able to put some volume in at, at certain times, um, and, and to be, you know, to, to reach your fullest potential.
0: Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. So then, I guess thinking too about reaching like your full potential, um, I've always been like a fan of of data, just like tracking things to see like, okay, like I felt like if you look back on Strava, for example, like say you, like in Boulder, you were on the same run like once a year, and you're able to kind of compare your data like year after year after year after year. I think that's really interesting. Um, even though recently I've taken some time away from Strava because it's kind of kind of stressed me out. I'm uh, just looking at everything. It's like more important things in my life to um, to care about, but like, what do you think is the benefit in, in tracking your runs versus just kind of like winging it every week?
1: Yeah, I, I do think it's important to track your runs. I track all my runs. And I mean, if you don't want to use Strava, um, cause you don't want everybody to see your runs or, or to have to compare or, or worry about all that, you know, I am sponsored by Coros. I, I work with Coros, um, amazing watch brand, super high quality product, And they have, um, a training hub actually on their app. Um, and so you can actually implement your data and track all of your stuff just on the Coros app. You know, everybody else doesn't have to see it, you know, it's for your personal, you know, use and you can get on there and, you know, they have a lot of tips on there for training advice and workout advice and, and you can track it all on this training hub and on this Coros platform. Um, and that way everybody else on Strava doesn't have to see it. You know, I, I use both. I use the Coros app. I use the the training hub to track all my data and kind of use that with my coach and, and, and other people. Um, but I also like to put some stuff on Strava as well. And I, I, I do track most of my stuff on Strava. Um, just, I think it's really cool. Like you said, to, to see every single year, the progression of, you know, what you've been able to do you can go back in the history, whether using the Coros app or Strava or whatever, and you can look at certain workouts that you did at specific times, um, leading into a race, or you, you know, you can kind of go over all these, these data points and see like, okay, um, I know I'm in this type of shape. So it can, it not only can give you confidence going into a race, but it actually is very, um, you know, tangible evidence that shows like, Hey, I am fit right now. You know, I was able to run this segment um, last year, and now I'm running it this much faster this year. You know, and I'm not I'm not a big advocate for going and chasing Strava crowns or just pushing runs all the time to try and get segments because I think that's a very slippery slope and can cause a lot of overtraining and a lot of issues. Um, but I do have some some routes, you know, in my hometown in Cedar City that I've used over the years of like, okay, I have a workout today that is very similar to a workout that I've done in the past. I'm gonna do it on this same route. That way I can see this certain segment or this certain section of if I am running it faster. And, and I also take into account, am I doing it at a more comfortable effort? Am I doing it under control? If I'm out there just racing it just to try and get a segment, then yeah, that's not a good data point. But if I'm doing it, at a very sustainable effort and something that is, is very, um, equivalent to what I did before, then that shows me a lot. Um, because I I did it at a more comfortable level and when my fueling was on point this time or whatever it is, and I can kind of see all these little different things that can help me, um, to reach my ultimate goal. And so I do track everything on, on my Coros watch. Um, and then I, I use the, the app as well to, to make sure all that's, you know, um, updated and on there and and i go year to year and month to month and i see all these things and and it's helped me kind of develop my training plan with my coach and really um figure out what works and what doesn't work for me because that's the thing is like we can we all hear what everybody else is doing but the important thing is that you're doing what works for you and and you see what works for you and if you're able to track all this and 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 see it um, then you're able to figure out what, what does work for you instead of trying to do what everybody else is doing, because that's, that's never a good thing because everybody's different and, and, and different things work for different people.
0: Yeah, it totally makes sense. And it's funny because like, just thinking about tracking runs, like I don't know what you were saying specifically, like when I first started running, I lived in, in Northern Utah. And like, since then I've gone back many times for work or for races and stuff. And I'll run a lot of the same trails just because it's fun to go out and be like, oh, this is where I started running or whatever. And I always have this idea in my head, like, I'm never getting better. I've ran for this many years, and I just, like, have plateaued. Like, I'm never getting better. Then you look at the data, and it's like, okay, like this this whatever, like, this run up Squaw peak, I ran this pace, and it was an effort. It was hard. And then I can do it this many years later at an easy pace, and it's faster. So you can very easily see that like, oh yeah, all those years of effort and training have paid off. And it's really cool to see that even from a non-elite perspective, just in general.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, that being said too, I, I think it's important to track things and, and I do track every run, but I also also think sometimes it's good just to turn that watch maybe to the, the heart rate section or or something where you can't see the pace or the time and and you just go out there and you run easy and you just run off of the feel of your body because When I'm in a race, that's usually how I'm running is I'm running off of effort. You know, I'm not sitting there looking at every single split and wondering like, oh, I'm I'm this far or or this close to the course record or whatever it is. No, I'm not focusing on that. I'm focusing on racing. If the course record comes off of racing, then great. But I'm going to focus on racing and my effort and my vitals and, and my fueling and different things like that. Because If you really want to get to that finish line, um, the best way that you possibly can, you have to focus on those, those details rather than just focusing on, you know, pushing a certain pace just because, you know, you, you want to break a course record or you want to do this, you want to do that. Like a lot of that, especially in trail running is, is thrown out the window and, and you, you don't even think about it in a race. So I think sometimes it's good to go out and just run off of effort so that you can really get to know yourself, get to know your body get to know how you react to certain situations and, and really, yeah, I, I think it, uh, just get to know yourself. I think it's really important. That's yeah, kind of cool. Like,
0: um, on with Coros on their, on their watches, you can disable the vibration notification for every mile or whatever. And I've turned that off and I've realized I've used, uh, my runs just feel a lot more like fluid now. And like, I'm not checking my watch every like seven, eight minutes or whatever. I'm just running. And yeah. like, I think I actually stop a lot less. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm just running. Like whatever pace feels comfortable versus thinking like, Oh man, I have to be running like this pace or this pace or this pace. I just go out and run. I, I enjoy it a lot more. It's like less pressure, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. And and one thing I like to do too, is when I, when I'm doing like a long run or or something that I know that just needs to be easy. Um, I just want to go out and get some distance in and not worry about pace. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll actually map a route out. Um, I'll, I'll put that route on my Coros watch and I will just, follow that track right on a new route, like a cool, different, you know, area that I've never ran in before. I've been doing that a lot down here in New Zealand and Australia. One of the reasons is I don't really know the area as well. And I don't know the trails, but I'll just go map out this really cool route. And, uh, and then I'll just put it on my watch and I'll just look at the tracking on it. And that's it. You know, I, I won't look at the time. I won't look at the pace. I'll just follow the route wherever it takes me. However long it takes me is however long it takes me. And I just go out there and I have fun and I enjoy and I look at the, the beauty around me. And, and honestly, I think sometimes we focus so much on improvement and we focus so much on, on how are we going to get better. And, and while that's really important, I do that a lot. I, I'm, a, I'm a definitely a student of the sport and I definitely look into a lot of things and I work really, really hard. And I'm always constantly trying to find ways of, of, of improving. Some days I just need to, to go out and, and, and focus on what brought me into the sport in the first place. And that is the trails, the beauty, like being out in the environment and and being able to just have fun with it. Right. Because that brings me back to, to why I love this sport and why I want to be doing this for the rest of my life is because it's, it's such an amazing, you know, experience it's such an amazing opportunity to be able to see the world, you know, on foot and, and to explore so many new and, and, and exciting places. Yeah.
0: That's a good point. Cause like, if, even if you are running and you're, and you're running fast and you're getting paid to do it, if you're not enjoying it, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of like being a lawyer, but hating being a lawyer or being a doctor and just hating working on people or something. It doesn't make any sense. Like go find something you enjoy. So, yeah. And maybe this
1: is a kind of a tangent, but I've gotten this before from people is like, people have told me, uh, because I'm a pro and because I run really fast, right. And I just go and run through, you know, the, the woods or the mountains or whatever fast that I don't enjoy it as much as people that are running it slower, you know, because I'm, I'm not able to take in the environment and see these, these things, because I'm just focused on pushing all the time. That is completely false. And that is not true at all. You know, and, and I'm not saying I enjoy it more than them because I I probably enjoy it just as much as them, but I love this sport, man. I love what I do. I love the mountains. I love the, the, the environment. I, I love the world and, and being able to explore it on two feet just as much as anybody else, just because I'm doing it faster. Doesn't mean I love it less. You know, I love it just as much. Um, I just also am u- utilizing my, my God given talents. You know, I, I have the ability to run very fast and I have a, a, the ability to, to win races and, and push. And it would be, it would be wrong of me not to utilize those, those talents and those abilities, you know, um, but it doesn't mean I, I, I love it any less because I, I run fast.
0: Not 100% the other day i was in uh, northern arizona on a shoot and i was talking i was with charlie where um he, he's ran western a couple times whatever And we were just yeah. chatting about that we went on like a 12 mile run together just really easy around prescott and beautiful trails up there and really fun but we were also talking about biking a bit too and then that same topic came up of like yeah it's fun to run fast it's fun to run easy it's fun to hike it's fun to bike and yeah. And when you're doing all these different activities, you see that same trail in a different way. Like you can run that trail during a workout and you feel one way, and then maybe you ride your bike on it and you see different things and you experience it differently. So there's no really like wrong. like I hate when people say there's a wrong way to experience a trail. Like you're running so fast that you don't see things you don't enjoy. It's like, no, you just see it in a different light almost. And like, I've really realized that recently because a lot of the trails down in Arizona where I live, like I'll, I'll hike them and it's awesome. Then I go and do a workout on it and I'm like, oh, this is freaking fun. Like it's so much fun. You just see things differently. And it's like, there's no real right or wrong way. I don't
1: think. Yeah. Like I just love being outside to be honest with you. I, I crave being outside. Like I wake up in the morning, I just want to get outside, (laughs) you know, and uh, I want to do that in any form of transportation, whether that be running, biking, hiking, you know, kayaking, any of those, those forms, like I do it all. And and I find opportunities to do it all because I just love being outside and, uh, I think that's the root of why I do this as a, as an ultra runner. Um, you know, some days I like running fast and and I like racing some days. I like going after FKT some days I like just going for a hike with my family and my wife and and seeing the beauty around me, you know, and there's so many ways to do it and see it. And, and I think, uh, taking all those opportunities is, is, is important in life.
0: Definitely agree. So speaking of like just training and having fun and enjoying running, um, let's talk about why you're running Tarawara because it's a golden ticket race. I know it's a Hoka race as well. But like you're already into into Western states after placing second last year. So why spend all this time um preparing for Tarawara? <laughs> and then like, are you stoked for it? I guess would be the question.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've I've gotten that a few times actually. People are like, yeah. why why are you like why'd you go down to the like down under for, for three months, you know? Uh-huh. And uh, I'm like, why not? Like, <laughs> this is an amazing part of the world. I mean, Australia and New Zealand is a dream, man. Um, that, that, and also one of the reasons, um, well, a couple of reasons is uh, so what my, a lot of people might not know is my grandfather actually lived in New Zealand for um, almost three years. Uh, back in the day. Um, So he was a missionary um, for the church and he actually served a mission down here in New Zealand. And I remember growing up, him telling me all about um, the people of New Zealand and the culture and land and, and how he, you know, he spent his time down here and he loved it. And uh, he would tell us stories about his mission and, and how amazing New Zealand was. And so I remember like when I first started my, my career in ultra running, I watched a YouTube video that was about Tarawara. And I think it was like Sage Canaday or Dylan Bowman or something running Tarawara. And I was like, I need to run that race. Like that. It looks like such a cool race. It's in New Zealand. I can go like visit where my grandpa used to live, you know, like that that looks like such a cool, cool area. And then, you know, over the years, like Tarawara has brought in Jim Walmsley, Courtney DeWalt or Camille Heron, Tom Evans, you name it. I mean, it's consistently been one of the most competitive and I guess one of the, the more, more prestigious events in the world. Um, but the last three years, of course, it's, it's been kind of cut off to the world and, and canceled because of COVID, um, and the restrictions they had down here. And so I was actually scheduled to run it, I think in 2020. Um, but I, I had to veer and and off cause of the COVID stuff. I, I had to veer off and do black Canyon instead that year. Um, but I, ever since then i've wanted to come in, and do this race so i've waited three years and our thought was like well if we're gonna travel 15 hours with kids all the way down to new zealand um you know why don't we just you know take advantage of it why don't we go do a race in australia as well and so uh and then stay down there train with some friends of mine you know like dan who I was t- talking about earlier, he, he actually came and lived with me in Utah last year and we trained together in Utah and he invited me to come to his country and train with him. So I'd set it all up of like, all right, I'm going to go to Australia. I'm going to run this, you know, Kosciuszko 100K in Australia, which is a, a new event on the UTMB World Series. And so I did that in December and, and had a really good performance there. And then I'm going to go over to New Zealand and train with Dan and Scotty and have a good time and then run Tarawara. And so, yeah, I'm really stoked and excited to run the race. Um, it's been a, a great trip so far, and, and it's awesome to be here. You know, my, my grandpa actually lived in Rotorua at one point uh, when he was on his mission. And so it's cool to be in an area where, where he, he's been, you know, and, and he, he's since passed away. Um, but it's, it's really awesome to be in New Zealand, and, and it's definitely a dream um, vacation. And it's something we wanted to do before my son starts school this year as well, because we might not be able to make it down here as a family, you know, once he starts school and and he's going to school during the winter.
0: You know, that totally makes sense. And that's cool to kind of like, kind of experience the same things that your grandfather experienced. Like, obviously he was a missionary out there proselyting and here, you are running and working in here with your family, but it's still really cool that you're able to have some sort of like crossover there and experience similar things.
1: Yeah. We're both on foot. Right. <laughs> and he was out there, you know, knocking doors as a missionary and I'm out here running through the forest, you know, and both, both, I guess you using our foot, you know, foot transportation to travel and and see New Zealand and experience the culture and the people. And so, yeah, it's, it's been awesome. And and honestly, like I could, I could live in New Zealand. <laughs> like I, I love it here, dude. Like it's, it's amazing. Um, I'm not saying I'm going to, but uh <laughs> It's definitely a place that I could live someday if, if I really wanted to. And, and I'm I'm really happy that we decided to do this.
0: Yeah, it is a really beautiful country and people are cool and the the culture is it's so similar, but also very different than the United States and it's fun. And plus also not having that language barrier there either. Like they speak English. It's like you can go experience a different culture and most people will speak English. Granted, it might be hard to understand at times.
1: But it is English. I was gonna so. say English. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's English, but uh there's some phrases that we've picked up down here. Um and it, it's it's really cool. But yeah, I I mean going off of Tarawara again too. I, I'm really excited, man. I'm feeling really fresh, I'm feeling healthy, I'm feeling fit. I had a really good block of training. Well, I should say I, I after I, I finished Australia race, uh, we had a little vacation. We spent Christmas in Sydney. Uh, just on the beach, and then we flew over to New Zealand, and I got sick. I got like really sick. Um, it wasn't COVID. I, I tested a few times for COVID, and it was negative every time. But I got sick for like a week, man, where it was it was pretty bad. And I was like, oh my gosh, like am I even going to be able to run Tarawara? Luckily, it was far enough out that I was able to get over it, and then build into a couple, you know, smaller weeks. Um, it actually probably helped to help me recover from that hundred K I did in Australia, probably a little bit better. And then the last three weeks have just been quality. I've had 320 mile weeks, uh, been able to get out on the course, um, do some really good routes around the South Island and the North Island, um, and have some quality workouts and yeah, I'm feeling ready to go. I mean, it's, it's competitive again, you know, this year it's always competitive. Um, it's a golden ticket race, and so it, it brings in a lot of competition. Um, it'll be fun. It, it'll be fast, and I'm really ready to go out there and, and to have a good day and and hopefully be able to uh, have a barn burner. Because honestly, I, it's kind of funny, but I look forward to suffering a bit. I look forward to actually pushing my body. Um, it, it's like this drive in me. It's like this. Like I get hungry to like suffer. I get hungry to. To push myself. And uh, I'm getting really, really excited for that, you know, as, as we're about 10 days out now. Um, and then uh, after that, we'll have a little bit of a vacation rest with the family and then head home, come back to the U.S. Cool.
0: Like I, I imagine, I know you mentioned to me previously that one of the reasons you're there so early is to kind of heat adapt and get ready um, for Tarawara simply because it's it's pretty freaking cold right now in, uh, in southern Utah. A lot of snow and ice, so you're able to run on maybe wet trails, but at least they're not icy and cold. Um, so then I'm, I'm assuming that running Tarawara in the heat is this preparation for states, right? Essentially, in the long run.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a bit far out to be able to completely heat adapt, of course. <laughs> and I'm sure when we get back to the U.S., it'll, bit get, it'll be pretty cold in, in the beginning of March. You know, and so I'll have to definitely heat adapt again, you know, in May and June, but it at least gives me a a couple solid blocks of training where I don't have to deal with the ice. I don't have to deal with the snow. You know, I can train how I need to like, like the training for Taroar is very similar to the training I would do for, for Western States, you know, a little different, but, but pretty close to the same. Um, and so it will, it'll actually elevate me hopefully to a fitness level to where I go into my Western States block. I'm already at this high fitness level, and then I can just build off of that, you know, into my Western States block. And so, <clears throat> yeah, that was definitely part of it. Um, and, uh, I think the course runs very similar to Western States, so it will help me to, to be able to, um, focus on some fueling strategies, some, some heat management strategies and different things like that. Um, that I would deal with at, at a a race like Western States. And so, yeah, it all kind of plays into it. Like I, I like to schedule things. I like to like, look at the long-term and the short-term, you know, view of things. And so I, I schedule out my seasons and I, and everything kind of builds on each other throughout the season to make sure I'm properly prepared for every race. You know, that's why I go out to races a week or two before, to acclimatize, you know, I, I take a very professional approach to my strategy because I'm given this opportunity, you know, Hoka provides for my financial needs and really helps me to be able to do all these things, you know, to travel the world and to properly prepare for races. And it would be wrong of me to not take advantage of that as a professional athlete. It'd be wrong of me to not like utilize all the, the blessings that I've been given to try and be at my best on race day. And so that's what I do is I I try and professionalize it to where, because I am a professional athlete. This is my job. You know, this is what I do. This is what I love to do. And so I'm going to do the best that I can to prepare for every race and make sure that I'm doing everything possible. So if that means coming out a few weeks before to a hot race, so I can acclimatize, I'm going to do it. You know, if, if that means, say I run Leadville, that means living in Leadville. So I can, be used to the altitude you know at a race like leadville i'm gonna do it because i want to be prepared as much as possible on race day doesn't always mean that the outcome is going to be perfect and and amazing but i would say it uh for the most part it it does work out really well when i do take the time to to properly prepare for each race that I'm, i'm shooting for
0: you know that definitely makes sense and i think like as i don't know to excel in trail running at this point you do have to treat it like a profession because like you can't just kind of go like halfway into it and oh, i'm gonna run maybe i won't run today or whatever like maybe in the past but now it's like it's a professional sport in every sense of the word
1: oh yeah the sport's changing i mean there's more money coming into the sport there's faster people coming into the sport um you know you have all these things like the utmb world series now and the golden trail series and There's all these series and very, very competitive environments and races, you know, you can't just show up at a race anymore and only have a couple guys that you have to beat. You know, you show up at a race, like for instance, look at black Canyon, you know, the week after Western or after Tarawara, that race is stacked to the max. I mean, there's like 30, 40 guys in that race that could win it potentially. And so every race is getting more and more deep and more and more competitive. And especially if you want to win at the highest level, like Western States and UTMB, you have to professionalize. You have to be on top of things. Um, You know, you can't just go up and and show up at Western States and expect to win if you haven't prepared properly. And so um, and and I want to be at my best. I want to be in the sport for a long time. And, you know, with all this new talent and new ability coming into the sport, I have to adapt as well. And I have to be more on top of things and I have to train harder and smarter and, and make sure that I'm, you know, staying ahead of the, 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 game because, um, you know, I, I get to do this for a living and, and I take full responsibility in that. And, and I, and I, I look at it and I say, I, I want to be the best that I can possibly be. And to be the best that I possibly can be, that means I have to dedicate myself more and more every single year you know it's i'm a huge fan of kobe bryant i'm a huge fan of you know basketball in general and you see it with these nba players like lebron james who's in his 40s now or late 30s or something and still killing it it's because he's taken those steps every single year to become better and better and better you know he he he's he's professionalized his workout routine his 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 preparation for the season every year and he's always ahead of the curve, you know, trying to figure out how he can get better. And it, sh- it shows in, in, in what he's able to do on the court.
0: Yeah, that makes me think about something. that I don't know how public this is, but uh, you guys are moving to Boulder when you get back to the States. And part of the reason you guys are moving there is because you'll have more training partners. Like Southern Utah is beautiful. It's amazing. But there really, there isn't a big trail running scene there um like I experienced that when I was down in St. George for example it's like I did most of my runs solo maybe with your brother Levi or with you occasionally But like for the most part there's no one really like that runs ultras competitively down there so you guys are moving to Boulder and I'm going to make an assumption here that part of the reason is so you can have better more and faster training partners is is that correct
1: Yeah, yeah, that that's definitely probably the the root of it, I would say, is I love southern Utah. It's home to me and it will always be home. Um, that's where my family lives. I mean, it's an amazing place to live, it's an amazing place to train. But I've been doing all this by myself for about eight years now, you know, as a professional ultra runner. I literally run every run by myself pretty much in southern Utah. You know, I every now and then I can link up with somebody, but I I don't have many people and I've tried to bring people in to Southern Utah, but it just hasn't worked. And so, you know, we were looking at moving to Boulder, um, when I first graduated college in 2016 and, uh, possibly moving out there to join a a road running training group. But of course that didn't end up working. And I went to the trails instead, which I'm very happy I did. (laughs) And, uh, it's kind of come full circle now where we we've we love we, we've we loved boulder you know we, we visited a few times and we've really liked the area um but more than anything we've we've liked the opportunities to train with really good runners and you know pro- other professionals that are doing it for a living as well um and and to be able to have everything right there you know at your at your you know disposal to be able to go out, you, you, you can have all the best physios. You can have all the, you know, the, the best training partners, you know, the trails are endless. Like there's a lot of really good opportunities to be a professional trail runner and a professional athlete in Boulder. And so, um, kind of over the years, we've, we've looked at it and we've, we've contemplated it and we've always kind of stayed in Southern Utah, but now we were like, you know, we'll never know unless we try you know, like I'll never know if I could maybe be a little bit better. If maybe that's what could be the the thing that makes me even, even better and at, even more at the top of my game. So my thought was like, let's just go try. So we, we packed our house up in, in, um, in Cedar city. Uh, we put our house up for rent right before we came out here to New Zealand. We said, we're going to go to New Zealand for three months, uh, and on Australia. And then after that, we're going to, come back home and move out to Boulder. And so I've been talking with uh, some guys like Matt Daniels and Drew Holman and uh, Adam Mary, and we're kind of putting together a little bit of a training group where we're going to be able to train together quite often, work off of each other. Um, They're all very established, amazing trail runners. And I feel like surrounding myself with people like that can only help. Um, And yeah, we're really excited to make the move. We kind of wanted to change anyways, Um, a new training grounds, you know, a new area. Um, We've lived in Utah our whole life. So we kind of wanted to see what it was like to live live outside of Utah. And yeah, I think it'll be a really cool opportunity. And if it works, amazing. I mean, it it can only be a good thing. If it doesn't work, we'll just go back to Utah. You know, there's no risk in it. So uh, we're really excited to come out. We'll be moving out to Boulder in March. And uh, yeah, I I think it could be a great opportunity for for me and my family.
0: Yeah, that'd be really cool to see how that plays out for you guys. Because like, I'm a big fan of like, uh, I'm going to butcher massacre the quote right now, but just like, essentially, you becoming who you spend your time with. So if you're spending time with people that are, that are, I don't know, helping you become faster, become a better athlete, a better father, whatever then that's just what you're going to become. Whereas if you're spending your time with people that are just not helping you achieve your goals, you're going to slowly slip back and kind of become that or become lazy. So I don't see any downside of you moving there personally. And I'm sure it'll be fun for your family too. Like Ashley will have uh, more women to run with and I think it'll be good for you guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Ashley's already talked with some ladies out there. I mean, we're good friends with Claire Gallagher. Um, she's been talking to Amanda Basham a little bit about doing some training with her. So that should be fun for Ashley as well. And, and a really cool opportunity for our kids. There's a lot of really good opportunities, especially outdoor opportunities in Boulder for the kids. And for me, like, I think the one thing, so we looked at a lot of different places. We we were looking at Flagstaff. We were looking at some of these other, you know, training hubs to, to see where we wanted to go. And I think the one thing that drew us back to Boulder was a couple things, um, I'm really good friends with, with Matt Daniels, you know, Matt Daniels is one of the guys that actually got me into the sport when I first started. Um, me and him were on some mountain running teams early on in our careers. And and we really thrive off of training together. Um, we're, we're at a very you know, similar level and, and the way that we train is very similar. And, uh, we've talked over the years, you know, really, I'm really, really good friends with Matt. And I actually, in 2020, I went out to, um, Colorado and I trained with Matt for a while out in Colorado and off of that training block I actually had some of the best performances of my career that's when I actually went out to JFK and won JFK and broke the course record there at JFK that was off of the training block that I did with Matt Daniels in Colorado and uh also like you said surrounding yourself with people that are you know that are only going to lift you and help you and motivate you and and that's what Matt and Adam and, and these guys are to me is they're just really good friends too. And I feel like I could be myself around them. I feel like I can, can really push and, and, and we can push off of each other and we can help each other, but we also don't have egos. You know. We're not gonna sit there and completely destroy each other every single day. We're gonna be smart about our training. We're gonna go about it in, a right, in, in the right way because we're all, we're all very driven. We're very motivated. And, and we also do it in a smart way. And so, um, that, that was kind of the root of why we decided on Boulder rather than somewhere else is I wanted to surround myself with not only amazing athletes, but good friends, good people and, uh, people that I feel comfortable around and and that ended up being Boulder. So I'm really excited for, for that opportunity. And, uh, I, I think it, it'll be awesome. You know, I, I honestly feel like it could be a big turning point in my career to make me even better and uh to hopefully have a a long lasting career like i said i'm always trying to find ways to become better especially as i get older and this could be you know one of those those opportunities yeah
0: for sure and i'm interested to see how it plays out for you guys not that it's going to be a negative experience by any means but just to see how it affects your training and and everything else so it'd be really cool yeah
1: and colorado is such an amazing mountain playground too like we're excited to you know check out all the mountains in colorado and I mean, honestly, there's endless mountains there. And and I see myself kind of gravitating more towards the mountain races as I get older. Um, for now, I'm, I'm focused completely on Western states and winning that race. I mean, that is my number one goal for for this year and and probably years to come. Um, but, yeah, I, I also have some other things in the in the plans that I that, that I'm thinking about doing that that could be kind of fun as well and and would work really well with me living and and uh in colorado and in boulder
0: yeah for sure man um i think we're gonna wrap it up here um we've been chatting for a while and i know you got to train today and um I got to go <laughs> run as well so <laughs> um it was good to chat with you man it's been a minute um you guys are just, you've been gone for three months now so it seems like forever
1: yeah only a couple more weeks and uh yeah um Excited to uh, to be out here. Um, excited for this this opportunity. Um, and yeah, should be good.
0: <laughs> All right, dude. Well, um, we'll end it here. Um, we'll chat soon. Hey, okay, bye. Hey, okay, bye.